Welcome to the SRS Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Fitzgerald. I'm here along with Dr. Jeff Mullen. We're here with Marcus John from the Back to Healing Foundation, as well as Pratik Chukla. Tonight, we're going to be talking about patient dialogues. So our goal this evening is to really focus and highlight the patient experience, as well as what we're doing as a society to, to further that experience. As an introduction, first, we'll start with Dr. Jeff Mullen. Jeff, can you go ahead and give us an introduction to yourself? Hey, thanks, Ryan. Um, so I am currently a neurosurgeon by residence training. I did a complex spinal fellowship and uh, been practicing at University of Buffalo for the past several years. I got into neurosurgery because I was fascinated by the sort of neuro aspect of spine surgery. And then I, through my residency, I was exposed to both sides of it and got really interested in the more complex biomechanical deformity correction perspective of it, but ultimately just seeing the difference in many these patients is what drove me to go that way. Um, you see patients come in with a pretty significant, uh, you know, imbalance, either currently sagely or so on. And then you see them in the clinic and they're sitting up straighter and sort of loving life. And ultimately that's why I did it. And so I'm fortunate enough to be, have that opportunity to have patients place of trust in me to do surgeries for them and enjoy these interactions where I get to see different side of the patients. That's great. I, uh, so my name is Ryan Fitzgerald. I am currently a pediatric orthopedic surgeon, uh, that's working at Riley hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I've kind of ended up here just by, by luck. I've, I've had some fantastic mentors in Dr. Todd Ritzman and Dr. Peter Newton. That's given me the opportunity to get to this point. And over time, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to meet people like Marcus John. And then through this specific interview by meeting Pratik Chukla. And so uh, Pratik, let's start with you. Let's talk about kind of your experience. The, the title of this podcast today is Patient Dialogues. And so not only are you a patient, but you're, you're a, a doctor yourself. And through the years, you have not only had uh, scoliosis and, and spinal conditions that have kind of formed your life, but you've also kind of overcome those. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, I'll give a quick background about myself. So growing up in elementary school, this is how my scoliosis got developed. I remember it distinctly. It was in elementary school. I'm in sixth grade and the nurse, we have one school nurse. She's just going down the row. Um, one classroom at a time, um, one student at a time. And I happen to be at the very last of the list because they're just going alphabetical. She calls me in and she starts doing some weird manual tests that I've never experienced up till this point. She has me bend over. She runs her fingers down my spine and she kind of stops and she hesitated. And then she did it again and then again. And then the next thing I know, I'm being called down to the principal's office I thought I was in trouble, not knowing what just happened. And that was kind of my initial diagnosis. She calls my parents and she's like, your son has very severe scoliosis. And uh, my parents are first generation. So they really didn't know exactly what that meant. Uh, we then started transitioning to Scottish Rite Hospital. Um, and they took over most of my care for most of my life up until I was about 18, 19. 
And that's kind of how that developed. Uh, they followed my curvature and made sure I was healthy. Um, there was initial thought of having surgery done to rectify my curve. Uh, but when they looked at my x-rays, they kind of decided that, you know, I'm not in any sort of physical pain extensively and that most of the bones have already fused. So the day of the surgery, uh, there was a six panel of uh, orthopedists who were going to operate on me as a team. And they canceled saying, you know what, this might just be worse because your curve isn't going to get any more significant than where you're already at. You've reached your maximal height. So we're just going to kind of play it by ear and see what happens. And then at 23, I was weightlifting. I played tennis throughout college. I ended up tearing my rotator cuff. And at that point, that's when I went to see another orthopedic surgeon, um, strictly for my subscapularis tear. Uh, but he tells me recently after that, he's like, you know what? Uh, this is a incidental finding and I don't want to worry you, but my neurosurgeon colleague is going to come have a conversation with you. And I'm still sitting there like, why is a neurosurgeon about to come see me? Uh, and then he tells me, he's like, okay, have you, anybody in your life told you you have what's called Klippelfall syndrome? I being pre-med at this point too, I still have never heard of that. So I'm like, no. And he explains it to me that it's characterized by one or more fusions in your cervical spine. And it's a very rare disease with not too many treatment options. So that's how my journey began. And when I found that out, I kind of decided I needed to make a bunch of life changes that I was not planning to do. So because I've been surrounded by orthopedic surgeons and uh, those who specialize in scoliosis, going into pre-med my entire life, I wanted to be one of them. I wanted to look after those that are what I perceive as my kind um, because I feel like I can just, you know, reach out to them. I know what they're going through. I have a good understanding of it. And so that's what I had originally wanted to do. But once I got my KFS diagnosis, I realized that, you know, long-term that may not be the best profession for me. I still wanted to do surgery and I knew I wanted to be in medicine. So that's how I ended up falling into podiatry. Great. I mean, I, I think the, the amazing part, especially about reading your bio is that you know, it, it, it seemed like all of this kind of took over your life for quite a while. And especially to have the experts at Texas Scottish Rite guiding your care. I mean, such a blessing and such a, such an amazing experience to be able to be there at one of our centers of excellence. But I think that too, you also took the life, took life by the horns. I mean, from what I was reading about you is that at, at one point, because you were kind of focusing on academics and those things, you became sedentary, but yep. then you realized that this is your life to have. And that's when you decided to get into powerlifting. So can you tell us about that transition a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I used to play tennis throughout college. And at some point I kind of decided I wanted to pursue weightlifting um, just for like confidence and in the sake of empowerment. Uh, and then once I got my diagnosis, that's when I just kind of knew, you know, I want to take this to the next level. And my thought with that was, yeah, I'm doing this for myself primarily, but number two, I can show those afflicted with scoliosis and KFS that this diagnosis isn't terminal. It's not the end of your life. 
and you can really challenge yourself and still be quote unquote strong. So I started with Pilates actually, which I remember talking to Dr. Mullen about. So that's how I built up my core strength. And eventually I got into the gym when I came to uh, pursue medicine in Ohio, that's when I started pursuing powerlifting. And at that time, I had no intense or really any hope of making significant progress. But it just turned out that I had a knack of a talent for this. It went my whole life kind of transitioned. So I went from, you know, my mom worrying about me, my friends worrying about me that here I am in the gym lifting weights and they'd be very concerned. And then now I'm in medical school where no one technically knows I don't talk about my diagnosis as much in the past. And so nobody really knew that I had these afflictions. And so they would just see me lifting weights and they'd be just super impressed and it would make them happy. And then when they found out more about my story, that kind of inspired them even more so. And so now I kind of just opened up my dialogue using my Instagram and reach out to people through that way. It's great, particularly. I mean, I remember talking about that. So it's really a great example and sort of role model for a lot of people out there with new diagnosis or uncertainty about it, how this shouldn't be limiting them and sort of it's up to them to sort of take charge like you did. So it's really remarkable. For the sake of teaching us doctors and you're on the way of becoming a healthcare provider, on the other side of things now, when you were, you know, newly diagnosed your family, there's a lot of uncertainty, probably some some scared yep. feelings and emotions and so on. Yep. Can you talk about that? sort of stage your life where you guys were learning was anything the doctor said to you or how did you sort of come terms as some maybe what you wish that we as doctors would help tell patients early on sure so my interactions were not 99 positive um they were very honest with me and most of the time were very realistic you know they um they said what my life would look like potentially they told me the risks and the warnings, what kind of activities I should avoid. But the most important thing was, it was specifically at Scottish Rite. The primary doctor who was in charge that attending, he told me the most, the best, most thing I could ever do for myself is to keep staying active. However, that was. He told me to stay away from lifting, but to pursue something uh, low impact like swimming. Um, so I took up swimming for a little bit. and. You know, that was fun, but it really wasn't my forte. Uh, the diagnosis itself, I think that scared my parents more than it did to me. Um, I kind of just took it on as, okay, you know what? This is the new me. This is just what I'm going to go through, and it's okay. I can either succumb to the darkness or whatnot and the fears that come behind it, or I can just take it head on and take it one step at a time, one day at a time. I honestly think my parents struggled the most with it. I remember all the times my dad would have to take off to off from work, take me to different appointments. My mom, she was a stay at home. So she would just be waiting at home right next to the phone, waiting for some kind of news to come through. And every time it was always a blessing. They'd be like, okay, your, your son is still doing just fine. So I think the positive reinsurance and making sure communication is reached effectively across each group is significantly important more than anything. So I guess to, um, to also piggyback off of uh, Dr. Mullen. So I know you said, and I think just because you have such a great outlook on life, you're much more positive than 
many other individuals, not just living with scoliosis, but just in life period, right? Oh, thank you. So you said um, it was uh, a lot of positive uh, interactions that you had with a lot of surgeons yeah. right? and a lot of um, things of that nature, but were there any like discouraging moments for you? Because I know you said that they recommended low impact stuff, such as swimming. Yeah, so when I was diagnosed with KFS, that was probably the scariest moment of my life. That doctor kind of, this is one thing I wish I didn't have to go through or if he did something a little different, but he was very academic by the book. He was like, one day you're going to end up in a wheelchair. And when you're 23, you don't want to hear that. Like that is the very last thing I wanted to hear that here I am dreaming of being like an orthopedic surgeon. And you're telling me I'm going to end up in a wheelchair. And that, that kind of threw my mind off. And my, that's initially how I started struggling with my own uh, depression and anxiety. And so it wasn't through him, but I reached out to other doctors about my condition. Um, and they kind of like took what he was saying and put it in a different light. They're like, okay, let's say, you know, worst case scenario, you do end up in that. That doesn't mean you still can't be a doctor. You just might have to change a different field that you're looking at. And so that's kind of how I switched from, you know, being wanting to be like an orthopedic surgeon into podiatry, where now I can do quick procedures, uh, provide instant patient relief, and still be satisfying my own desire for knowledge. So, yeah. So you would also that a lot of the positivity and like a lot of um, reinforcement within this comes within yourself, as I guess, um, yeah, speaking words of empowerment and affirmation to yourself, but also outside sources. Would you say it's like a balance between the two? Yeah. Or, okay, okay. Yeah. A lot of that grew from a meditation, to be completely frank with you. Um, I had to teach myself that not every thought that came into my mind was quote unquote true. Yeah. You know, like it didn't have an absolute bearing to it. Like at some times I doubted myself. I thought, you know what? I'm not good enough to be a doctor. Now that like, I have this diagnosis, maybe I should give up lifting. Maybe I should pursue other things and just hold off and put life on the back burner. But through meditation, I realized like not everything that came through my mind was in fact true. And I just decided to have faith and decided to see wherever life takes me and I can just work it out that way. I feel like it's such a great transition. I mean, Pratik, you have talked about empowerment. You've talked about the mental health aspect to having file and to having scoliosis. You've talked about the self-determination that it took for you to get to that next level, to be, to have the confidence to pursue powerlifting. And I feel like Marcus John, like this kind of ties into exactly what you do. I mean, your 501c3 uh, nonprofit is all about all of the things that Pratik has been talking about already. It's all about people that not only have scoliosis, but the mental health aspect of it. So can you just tell us a little bit more about that? I mean, obviously, I think Jeff and I know you well, and we know very much what you do, but all of our listeners may not. So can you just give us a, a brief background to kind of get everybody else up to speed? Yes, yes, for sure. So um, my name is Marcus John, and I am the executive director and founder of critically acclaimed scoliosis patient organization, Back to Healing. I had to throw in that part. <laughs> but um, as you said, we are a 501c3 nonprofit, and we strive to create impactful projects, programs, and campaigns that transforms 
mindsets and help break the stigma of scoliosis. Focusing on artistic beauty and uh, spinal curvatures on how they uniquely affect the human body as well as mental health. And um, our mission is to improve the quality of life of individuals affected by scoliosis through mental health, empowerment, education, and awareness. And how I got into this um, in regard to creating this nonprofit was my background is in fashion and art. And I'm always I'm also an athletic uh, individual and hearing your story, critique, I was on the flip side where I was in um, elementary school. And I went to uh, the school nurse and asked me to bend over and all of say 10, 15 seconds, it was, okay, you're good. Get back out on the, uh, we had like physical ed. So I was playing basketball and literally that was the only interaction that I had with school all of the 10, 15 seconds. So fast forward, um, I had a lot of friends that I didn't even really know about who, who also were living with scoliosis where um, one friend in um, particular, and this is when I was like really deep into fashion and my work has been on the cover of Harper's Bazaar. I've had editorials in Vogue, GQ, Esquire and things of that nature in an industry that's built off of beauty, right? It's specifically, you have to look the best. It's everything all is all about looks and physique and posture and things like that. So she was about to attend her first gala and it was the BH1 Save the Music, which is a huge uh, gala for them. And um, she, when you get to, when, when you see her, she's a very beautiful woman and she's extremely confident and you can just never tell anything's wrong with her. So fast forward, she came to my fitting and she asked me to style her for this uh, event. So I pulled a lot of dresses that accentuated the neckline, uh, exposed the shoulders, deep cuts in the back and like deep V cuts to accentuate the, the lower back as well as the hips and things like that everything against what someone wants to portray or wants to show who actually has severe scoliosis and her curvature she has two um curves the top is a 65 the bottom is a 38 so when i pulled a lot of these dresses with similar cuts and silhouettes um she came and she was very just self-conscious of trying anything on and i think i pulled like anywhere between 15 to 20 um different dresses for her to actually try on and I just didn't understand it in the beginning because it was, why aren't you trying this on? Like what it looks like here on the rack can look completely different from when you actually try it on, just give it a chance. And uh, she literally just started crying and telling me that, you know, trying to encourage me. And I'm like, listen, I don't need the encouragement right now. I just want to know why you're crying. And she says um, that she lives with severe scoliosis. So me at the time, once again, now backtracking back to like elementary school, the only interaction and encounter that I had with scoliosis was all of that 10 to 15 seconds. And knowing that she's such a strong minded and just a confident woman, that right there just instantly clicked like I wanted to use my experience and my skills as a creative director and as a stylist in fashion and art to help empower and to share the stories and to tell the stories and to celebrate and to highlight individuals living with scoliosis or any other type of spinal condition uh, exactly like how I would create for celebrities when you would flip through a fashion magazine and you would like oh you know you would say oh this dress is beautiful this model is beautiful I literally wanted to recreate that for people who actually are in need of that confidence boosting by encouraging body positivity as well as um, any type of instilling confidence within these individuals living with anything um, spinal, you know, related or whatnot to help just once again, transform that mindset dealing with mental health or whatnot. So 
that was my background and that's how I literally started. And from there, I was really unsure still what I was doing, but I knew I had a huge and a bigger idea with something that was more purposeful as well. So I'm, as you get to know me, I'm really just driven on purpose. That really just excites me and it really motivates and inspires me to just continue doing more. And from there, I created this amazing concept and I had no patience. I had no participants. I had no anything, and, but I had an amazing concept, right? So I then reached out to SRS and I know these guys were like, one, who is this guy? Two, what does he know about scoliosis? Cause he doesn't have scoliosis. Three, he's not a doctor or physician or anything in the medical industry. Why should we back this idea? And the more that they heard my story and the more that they saw the uh, idea that I created for them, a really big on presentation. So I created a entire mood board, sort of say on how it would look and how it would operate from start to finish. They loved the idea. They took a chance on me. And five years later, you know, we're still continuing to partner and, you know, just to kind of highlight more of my story. Since then, I've um, partnered with world-renowned medical device companies, top medical device companies such as Stryker, Medtronic, Zimmer Biomed. I'm in talks with the Pew. I've worked and had my work in uh, Cedar sinai Hospital. Uh, I was in Ghana with Focus and partnered also bringing it back to fashion uh, with Lululemon, as well as Alex Anani. I created a piece for them. I had a yoga I had a yoga event that Lululemon sponsored where as you know as well someone living with scoliosis they can't do the typical and the traditional stretches or any type of techniques or whatever the case is with someone with a straight spine so we had an instructor and a certified yoga instructor who also lives with scoliosis as the the teacher for that day and everyone in the class of course was either fused or non-fused and she helped tailor the specific stretches or techniques or whatnot for that specific patient so they can better achieve the effectiveness of that specific pose or whatnot. So literally it's, it's, it's transpiring into me now tapping back into my older uh, self and which I'm still in the fashion industry, but I'm now bringing in the same clients that I had before, but just on another perspective and, I think it's a beautiful thing and I'm not sure if I kind of went on a rant, <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's, it's perfect. And I mean, I think it, it kind of what your organization is doing and what you've talked about um, really kind of shows how we as a society, we as, as people that are interested in scoliosis can, can empower people that, that live with it day in and day out. So kind of bringing it back to critique, I mean, for us, you've talked a little bit about what physicians can do, but do you think these sorts of things are inspirational or helpful for you? It sounds to me like you've kind of made all these jumps to have this self-confidence and to have, to be able to work through kind of the, the, the problems that you've had with not only scoliosis, but also clipple file to be at the point where you're at, where you're not only a doctor, but you're also a power lifter kind of at the top of his game. Um, how can we best help you from or help other other people that are first going through this situation or through these issues um, that you work through on your own? So I think you guys are probably already doing a fantastic job. And the lessons I've taken away just from my own experiences, I don't want to sound 
you know, cocky or arrogant or anything like that, but experiences with you have helped guide me or are guiding me to become a different physician that I know that I would have become without my own diagnosis. And so what I mean by that is like having a different level of empathy, being able to sit down with a patient, give them the good, the bad, the grisly worst, but still highlighting the positive impacts that they can still have in their own lives. Like I said, like just, just because you have that diagnosis of any kind really does not mean that is the end of your story. You know, like you are still able to be a unique individual and pursue your own dreams, regardless of the obstacles you face. So. And, and to piggyback off what Pratik is saying, I think one thing as well as when I was creating this campaign was a lack of representation and diversity from a patient perspective. Uh, and that's something that I definitely wanted to highlight. And I make it a like a number one priority when I actually feature patients in my, um, my I Am Straightforward photo exhibitions or even my Back to Healing talks and um, just from just pairing as a patient to patient um, live stream or whatnot, where I have someone from Indonesia speaking to someone from Tennessee about there. And she's literally in the hijab speaking, you know, uh, speaking about her experiences in the country that she's in and how she was raised and how she was born and the lack of resources and instrumentation. But then both patients and someone in the first world country, which is the US and Tennessee, She's really getting to understand just whether it be like the privilege that we have here and the things and the necessities where it's like she's kind of almost like overlooking. So I really make it a thing where it's trying to highlight the individuals. And I believe you're of an Indian descent and it's, it's you know, but seeing someone, another, you know, India, another brown child, another brown boy, seeing a power lifter who also has scoliosis. That's just, to me, it's very empowering to see someone who looks like them, you know, on the flip side from someone in a hijabi, someone or in a hijab or whatever the case is. So I, I think it's very important. And I, I applaud you for continuing to share your story because you never know who's really looking up to you or who's going to see your story as well. And actually, I just wanted to make a comment regarding that. Ever since I started my Instagram, there have been times where, you know, when I'm going through my own depression, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to take my Instagram down and just not be as vocal. But I have met so many families, not only from the U.S., but internationally, where I'll have mothers reach out to me about their kid, their three-year-old child, from example, like one in Russia, where they don't have nearly as much treatment options that we do she's worried she's not sure what the future holds for her child and they'll see me for example lifting weights and to them that's remarkable when i'm just kind of doing my own thing you know and so i actually have some friends that i made back in dallas and they also have a child who he's a young boy he has scoliosis kfs and they were so worried when he got his diagnosis. They actually go to Scottish Rite too. And just now we keep in touch. And I think this has been a boon, honestly, like connecting with people on levels I never thought of. And that's what I really love about this community. So as a part of the Back to Healing campaign, uh, I know that there's also a huge uh, accomplishment and um, progression with the group because, you know, not only are you trying to empower people with scoliosis, but you're also emphasizing the beauty of it. And with that 
emphasis, you guys have actually made it as a part of the Miami Art Basel. So can you tell me a little bit about that and kind of what that process is, has been and what we can fly down to Miami to check out maybe this year? Yes, yes, yes. So what we do as well with Back to Healing is we really try to disrupt uh, many cultural events and try to bring in the educational aspect of scoliosis to it. Uh, hence, our first exhibition that we had was during um, New York Fashion Week with SRS, in which we had two Victoria's Secret models, as well as a lot of my influencer friends attend. And we got uh, an amazing write-up in the Huffington Post. So I believe that when we bring in a, such a incredible uh, way of doing things, it's almost like you're putting the medicine in the candy, sort of say, right? I don't mean to interrupt, but those two Victoria's Secret models were models with the wings on that also had scoliosis, correct? Correct. And if I'm not, I'm not going to say if anyone knows, because many people don't, but those wings actually weigh up to anywhere between 40 to 50 pounds on their back. So, and also who, you know, whether you're fused or not, that's heavy weight on your back or whatnot. So yes. So it's beauty and a physical task. For sure. <laughs> which is incredible, which I think echoes Pratik's story. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to highlight that. No problem. And uh, so Miami Art Basel is one of the biggest and most reputable international art fairs there is um, in the world. It's literally within five days, it brings in over 82,000 people to the city of Miami. Uh, it draws in art dealers, artists, celebrities, critics, collectors, art lovers, or whatnot. So what we planned on doing um, is having our own exhibition there once again, where we're going to be working with Nicholas Hospital, which is uh, on behalf of Dr. Erico and Dr. Uh, George. We're going to be highlighting the stories of patients in that area. And we're also, we're going to be working with four amazing artists who specialize in just different mediums, such as uh, metals and crystals, whatever the case is. And these are like also world renowned artists as well. So we just secured them and they're going to be creating one of one pieces for us. We right now, currently we created a piece with Michael Norton. He's an amazing artist. And that piece is selling for like, uh, it's a $30,000 piece, just, you know, just so you know, and we're working with Michael Norton again for Miami Art Basel. He's creating a newer piece with us and along with uh, three other very incredible individuals. Like literally when you see their work, it's literally mind blowing. And we are, I'm in the talks right now of reimagining a brace. So with it's this one female artist, she's from Iran and she has MS as well as uh, scoliosis. And it's it also, I try to figure, I try to work with individuals that are affected by scoliosis or any type of spinal condition as well. So it all really all ties into the narrative and the storytelling of our projects uh, and our, our programs and whatnot. We're going to create an, like an oversized brace out of like 3D. It, it's it's literally crazy. Like when you like it's it's crazy to me even when I'm speaking to her and like brainstorming these ideas with her. But all I know is when you see this piece, it's going to be just breathtaking. So once again, when you come and the beauty of it all is when you come to this exhibition in Miami Art Basel, even if you don't know what scoliosis is, you're coming there and you're you're really appreciating the beauty of the art. And with any artwork, one of the most important things is the story behind it. So it's 
what this piece, how does it relate to, what, what's the background behind this piece? And there we can educate them on the condition of scoliosis, as well as, um, you know, whether it be giving pamphlets, whether it be giving additional resources or whatnot. So not only are you drawn, it's, it depends, you're drawn to it because you know it's a scoliosis exhibition, or you're drawn to it because it's just an amazing exhibition. But either way it goes, you're going to be leave, you're going to leave with more education about scoliosis in general. So that's how we try to once again put the medicine in the candy, sort of say, from all aspects, from art to fashion, uh, to anything that we do. So it's fantastic. Congratulations on the accomplishment. Well, it's it's great, Marcus. Great. Um, as always, it's an easy conversation for us to have with you guys. Uh, you guys are great advocates for all of our patients. And maybe if you guys want to give one last parting shot and maybe give a plug for Instagram or Marcus John for your organization, for your how do we, how do we find more information on you guys? So, yeah, so I guess I'll start um, Back to Healing. Our website is www.backtohealing.org. Our Instagram handle is at backtohealing underscore org, O-R-G, as in Gary. Our Facebook is facebook.com backslash backtohealing.org. So Instagram is underscore org. Facebook is dot org. Um, you can find more information about us and about the organization and as well as just our mission and some upcoming projects that we have coming up. So as you guys know, it's now the beginning of Scoliosis Awareness Month, which is the month of June. And you can see what we got, what we have planned on our website at once again, www.backtohealing.org, all the festivities that we have coming up. And I want to say thank you again to SRS for the amazing opportunity for speaking on you guys this podcast. Yes. If you want, you can reach out to me. My Instagram is at teek. T-E-E-K dot strong. And that's my Instagram handle. And I'm fairly active on there. So any messages you send, I will see and can gladly respond and get back to you as soon as you get, as soon as possible. So I think this, this is all fantastic. And, you know, I, this is how it always is when we have these conversations. It's um, you, you have all these questions that you want to talk about, all these things you want to talk about. And all of a sudden you start talking to these great people that are not only living with scoliosis, but also trying to, to push that message, message forward that of empowerment, that message of that there is really nothing that can limit you even when you're living or, or dealing with scoliosis on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, here we are 30 minutes into it and our time is already taken up. So I appreciate everyone that's taken the time this evening to, to, to talk with us. And thank you both for all of your time. Um, I think the, the bottom line tonight is empowerment. I think both of your stories bring empowerment to patients that are and people that are dealing with scoliosis day in and day out, whether they be non-operative or operative. From what I can tell, the bottom line is that you can accomplish anything you, you put your mind to. So continue to drive on and, and thank you all for, for everything you do. And I want to say one other thing as well. I want to also thank you as well as Dr. Jeff Mullen for being allies within our movement um, with the mental health and just the empowerment too, from a surgeon perspective, because we couldn't have done this, do this without you too. And I know sometimes I have so many brilliant ideas in my head. I'm being very biased, by the way. I have very brilliant ideas, but I'm missing sometimes that academic side to it, like how, like the education side or whatnot. And Sometimes it needs to go more in depth than just your traditional Google search. So I want to say thank you again for 
uh, Dr. Jeff Mullen for being a part of our Back to Healing. Um, Ryan, I know we got to get you on soon. So, but regardless, just your support and being able to just, you know, call you or you call me out the blue and us just having, hey, I'm only going to take five minutes and 30, 40 minutes later, we're still on the phone, you know, so right. I want to thank you guys, yeah, <laughs> for for everything that you do for the community as well. All right, Mark, you're more than welcome. Honestly, this wouldn't happen without any of you, so. Thank you so much, Marcus John and Pratik and, and Dr. Jeff Mullen for, for joining us this evening. And uh, again, welcome to Scoliosis Awareness Month. Uh, this is a great kickoff for it. And uh, stay tuned because there's a lot more content to come over the rest of this month. And then uh, to all the viewers or listeners, thanks for joining in. And stay tuned for more podcasts coming out from the SRS. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Everyone, everyone. Thank you, guys. Pleasure. All right. Take care. Emma is a volleyball player who was diagnosed with idiopathic scoliosis at the age of 12. After two years of bracing and continued curve progression, she found hope with a new scoliosis treatment. Tune in May 11th to hear a first-hand account of her journey to a straighter spine. The Scoliosis Research Society is a nonprofit professional organization made up of physicians and allied health personnel. Their primary focus is on providing continuing medical education for healthcare professionals and on funding and supporting research in spinal deformities. Please visit srs.org for further information.